Each day, all over the world, thousands of healthcare learners experience the power of simulation. This is the BS Podcast. Wait, what? 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 Beyond Simulation. Exploring the stories of the people behind these masterfully implemented simulations. Each episode discovers the real stories of how these connoisseurs got into simulation and why they stayed. This is the Behind the Music podcast of the world of simulation. My name is Christine Park, and I'm the director of the Simulation and Integrative Learning Institute at the University of College of Medicine. One thing about me that is not simulation is actually related to my family. My grandfather's brother was the inventor of Braille for blind people in Korea. I bet you didn't know that. I did not know that. That's so cool. Hello, everybody. My name is Bob Kaiser. I am the Associate Director of Sale. And one thing about me that is not simulation related is that a long time ago, I worked as a temp. And one of my assignments was in the office of Frank Thomas, the star hitter of the White Sox. Um, fun note, I had no idea who he was. And he was a little offended that I didn't know who he was. But we became friends in the end. At least I think so. Anyway. Well, that's great. Um well, Bob, are you ready to talk some BS? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, actually, we do have one thing that I would love to hear your response on. So this came out in the news today. In 1966, there was an Air India Boeing 707 that crashed um, on Mont Blanc. And it was unclear, uh, you know, what there were, and there were a whole bunch of gems that were recently found by a hiker. And after a years-long search for the owner of these gems, it was decided that the climber could keep $168,000 worth, which is half, of the emeralds and sapphires that this person discovered on Mont Blanc in 2013. So here's the question. What would you do with $168,000 worth of emeralds and sapphires? Um, I'm thinking a new fancy dress with nice necklace i'm thinking um what would i well i don't know i wouldn't do anything with them i would actually would sell them so i would sell them and get the money (laughs) or give them to my mother though my mother's not really a a gems type person so um yeah i would sell them that's my final answer what would you do i think that i would um have a tiara made that i could wear anytime you know the mood suited me including on very serious zoom calls i agree (laughs) let's have matching tiaras Exactly. Okay. Um, well, I think it's time to introduce our guest and especially to get our guest's opinion so. on what to do with $168,000 of gems. I'm so pleased to invite to the show the Ricky Harris, award-winning actor, doer of all things, and lover of all the people, and also a standardized patient. Welcome, Ricky. Hello. Hi. So tell us, what would you do with $168,000 worth of emeralds? I would um, bedazzle a lot of my suits and things. Um, I would have a lot of jewelry. Um, I'd probably put some like on my car. Just so everywhere I went, I would be wearing these precious jewels and people would know that I'm wearing money on me. 
love it. I love it, Ricky. So, Ricky, tell us, what are three things that you're professionally known for? Oh, three things. Um, I guess my, my, my singing voice, I have a wonderful voice. This is just what the people say. Um, uh, you do have a great voice. I'm very humble. True. That is true, though. You do have a great <laughs> Sorry, voice. I missed my cue a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm a very giving person, a giving and loving person, and I like to spread joy. And that's what I really try to use um, all of my social medias for. It's like just to spread some good joy in the world, because that's what we need. That's wonderful. Good things to be known for. Okay, the Ricky Harris. So before we went on the air, before we started this recording, I spun a random number generator to come up with a number between one and five. And the number I got was four. So can you tell us four things that are not on your acting resume or business resume? Basically, we want four unique things about you that maybe the public does not know. I was an... Um all conference and all metro athlete in high school. Okay. I, I true. Okay. I, I was on the football team and so I was an awarded athlete. I used to have dreadlocks to my mm. shoulders. I don't think any of you knew me that. that I point. didn't. Yeah. Know. Oh. Well, I'm from Iowa. People don't know that. Because they're like, you? I'm like, I know. We should have that as a sign going into Iowa. Home of I'm just saying. I'm I'm the most famous person no, out of you're, Iowa. You're I think Ashton Kutcher. No. And Lark Voorhees. Yeah. So um and the last thing I I like to bake. Mm. What's the most recent thing you baked? This past Thanksgiving, I um I Thanksgiving I always do a caramel cake. And um my family only wants me to make it. Like anybody can make it. Anybody can follow the recipe. But it's like, oh, this is the thing that you do. I'm like, okay, fine. But this year, I it, that cake was so damn good. I, I don't know what I did differently, but when I ate it this year, I was just like, because you know, the frosting and the cake just melted together. So oh mm. Mm. The cake. Yeah. We are just about to have a staff retreat at sale. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, we'll see. No. <laughs> so what, what, what often happens is as soon as it's cooked, you know, you got to let the cake cool before you put the frosting on it. As soon as I get it frosted, they're digging into it. Hmm. Next thing I know, an hour That's later, it's gone. It hmm. never lasts. Maybe you should try to uh, be a contestant on the something like the Great British Baking. Yes. That's too serious. Uh, I just like to bake for enjoyment. I like to take my time. Uh, they move too fast for me. And, you know, I'm looking at measurements again. Like, how much? How much? Just for pleasure. <laughs> That's why I'm no good at baking, because the way I bake is I say, ah, oh, that looks like about enough. See, so this year I missed because of where I have the um, the recipe in the notebook, but like the the corner of it was you I couldn't see it all, so I put a wrong amount of one ingredient, and then when I baked it, it didn't rise all the way in the middle. It still tasted fine, but um, my aunt is a master baker, and she was like, "Well, you just have to do this all over again." But then I did do it all over again, and it turned out correctly, and it turned out to probably be the best caramel cake I ever made. Wow. 
That sounds so amazing. So Ricky, we want you to take us in a time capsule back in time to visit with Kid Ricky. Who was Kid Ricky? Kid Ricky was a very loud kid. Um, my grandfather would also say, you, I just walked around the house just making noise. And whether that was singing a song, whether that was quoting a commercial or something, just always just a loud uh, individual, which they just had to live with. Um, but always around family, there were six of us, six kids, and my niece was born. So we had seven kids in the house, two parents, and always somebody staying with us. So always people around. Just always family, always love. And we were super busy as kids. Uh, played all the sports, did all the things, played piano. Um, we did our church stuff. and So just fun, busy, played in the neighborhood with the kids. I was always the one, if something was going on, to have to rectify the situation. To, so like a new group of kids moved in next door to us. And they got in a fight with two some kids down the street. And they actually beat up this kid. And I was like, oh, well, they can't come in my neighborhood beating up my friends. So then I had to go outside and fight them. You know, I was the biggest kid there. So <laughs> it was the, my charge to bear. <laughs> so childhood was fun. It, it, it was great. It was great. The only thing that really scared us, because uh, like all, all of us would walk to school together. There was a dog. At the end of the alley, I'm actually, we didn't live that far from the school. Like we could have went around another way, but we wanted to walk down the alley and go over. But this dog would be on a chain. And every time we walked by, he would run out. And that was the only thing that scared us because either we would run or we just had, we would just walk. And we would never taunt this dog because it just looked so vicious and mean. But we always wanted to walk down the alley, especially in the winter when it snowed and it frozen in the little holes in the concrete so we can break them, break the ice. That's mm-hmm. mainly the only reason we wanted to walk in the alley, but this dumb dog kept us in shape because we ran a lot. <laughs> we ran away from the dog a lot. Ricky, I feel like I know you better now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ricky, so um, I... As we've already shared, you uh, are an award-winning actor and have do lots of performance. You are an amazing talent on stage. I've loved watching you act. Um, but tell us, how did you get into simulation, and how did that happen? I uh, had to be through Laura McKenzie. Yes. Is this the director of Sale? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know her. <laughs> you might have heard of her. Because uh, we were doing a children's theater together. And then I think she emailed one day and I was like, oh, this is something I can do. Because, you know, I'm living life as an artist. So always needing needing the gig and a chance just to act just in, in another world was was great. I'm also a great communicator. I pride myself on that. Uh, I was a communications and theater major. And I think that like a lot of the stuff that we do is communicating and helping these uh, students communicate better with patients. So yeah, I got into it then. I don't even know when I started. I feel like it was a very it was. long time ago. You've been here for a while. 
Do you remember your first portrayal and what that experience was like? I think I had a, a, I think I had an aneurysm. I didn't know I had an aneurysm, but I had a bad headache, and I had to sit there and just be be there, like eyes half closed, and I really couldn't move much because I was having an aneurysm. And um, it was it was nice. It was cool because you know I, I brought the acting skills to the table. But I remember the first like thing that really um, I guess tripped me up or that I didn't want to do was feedback. <laughs> I was just like, get out, go. I've done my job. <laughs> it's like, come back in for feedback. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I mean, you're okay. But, but, then also, <laughs> but also getting used to the format and learning that I'm like, oh, well, how did I feel? I'm not sure. So that was like a minute in my head going through that. And then I was like, so that would always just trip me up. But feedback was my big thing to overcome. I think that's always really interesting, actually, to be in touch with how you do feel. I think as I go through my days, I very rarely ever think about how did that, how does that make me feel and how would I express that to someone? So I can imagine how, how difficult an acquired skill that is. Ricky, you said you've been doing this for a, a long time. So why do you keep doing it? What personal passions keep you tied to simulation? I do like to see um, the growth of the students. And I also feel like, because I kind of like still doing the the regular stuff, but then kind of like working within like the development of things. Like I've done some stuff in the classroom. So I've been able to do some different things to kind of like keep it new for me, some different projects like that. So that has made it stay fresh. But also being on like the ground floor of like some of these groups that come in and they're they're practicing writing a case. And then I help, I, I do the case and they see what's wrong. You know, uh, so they learn how to communicate and write a case. So that's been great. But also seeing students that start off looking very green and just like, huh, and then seeing them at the end of their time there and how much they have grown and that, that's fulfilling. And then I'll see I'll see some of them out and about in the world. And it's like, you know, like when you like when you would see your teacher <laughs> not at school, it's like, don't worry, we both can exist in this world. <laughs> but it's nice to know also that what we do is helping. So here's something I'm so curious about that I've always wanted to know. What's your perspective or how does how you prepare for a portrayal as an SP differ from how you pr prepare for a portrayal on stage? SP, every time, I, it has, I need to be the same. I've got to be standardized because I'm not the only one portraying this. So when I do it in room one, room two and three, we all got to be doing the same thing. So there's not the room for like, ooh, let me try this today. But on stage, how the show opens opening night is going to be different how it is closing night because we're going to find other little nuances. We're going to find something fresh like, ooh, I didn't think about that before that we add to it. So it has that um, artistic growth in it. And what about the interaction with, I can imagine that when you're on stage, the 
how the audience, the energy of the audience will affect the performance. Does that also happen when you're interacting with learners? Well, if I'm doing, <laughs> if I'm doing a sight case, yes. Uh, I'm a hoot during the sight case. And some of them try to be so serious, but it's like, no, you're, you're human. You're going to laugh. I'm signing, but, uh, <laughs> so learn, yeah, learners don't, because I don't really, um, try to look for anything from the learner. I'm just going to do and give the information I'm supposed to give an audience. Like, come on, clap for me, smile, bow your head, you know, let me know that you're in it. A learner doesn't have to do that. I'm going to give the same information and get the same portrayal, whether they're good or bad. Oh, that's really fascinating. Um, uh, thank you for that. My secret wish is that I could be an actor or a performer on stage. So you never know. One of these you days. Never know. Okay. Uh, speaking about alternate professions, if you were prevented from doing anything that you do now professionally, so that's a lot. That's the acting. That's the SP work. That's whatever that you do professionally. What would you be doing for work? And for the sake of this exercise, there's no financial risk involved. I would probably do like um, uh, lawn care. I used to love, I, I, I still do love plants, but I used to plant plants outside. Um, when I cut grass, it was good. It was just the right thickness. It was a dark, rich green. I would be trimming bushes. Um, I really got into that for a little while. I'd probably be a, a gardener of some sort. So is it like design um, or is it the actual taking care of the plants and? I would love it to be design. I hadn't got that far, but taking care of the plants and seeing the growth uh, of, of these beautiful things and like the beautiful colors that they bring. And uh, yeah, cause I, I love to walk through the, our little Washington park over here has trees and all that. But I'm not, not no hiking, I don't wanna do no hiking. Duly noted. Okay, good. <laughs> so you would not, you would not have been the hiker in uh, Mont Blanc who discovered all those emeralds. Uh, see that never. Mm -mm. <laughs> mm -mm. I, I would stand at the bottom and he could bring them down to me. Like great, thanks. But so Ricky, one great thing about simulation um, is that we receive feedback and we reflect on the choices that we make. We can choose again and you know, try it all over. So what is a choice that you encountered in your life that would have taken your life in a different path if you had chosen differently? I, I could have went to college for football and then I would have done that and then hopefully went from there. But I chose to stick with my artistic side and, and let that grow. But yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So tell us more about that choice. So. Uh, I think I can assume why you chose acting, but why? Well, yeah, uh, it, it's it's more of a, it's more of my passion. Uh, football is great because I get to hit people and get out a lot of aggression. Um, so that was great for me. Wait, 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 Ricky! You just said it's great because you get to hit people. I, I heard that correctly, right? Okay. Uh, the story that I love to tell. Um, so when I played in high school, I was a defensive tackle, so the offense is coming at me and. I would go to the coach, the other coach, not my coach, the other sideline, and tell that coach, hey, don't run to my side. You won't, you won't make it. 
I'm going to ta- I'm going to hurt your running back. I would go to that the other team and taunt them and say that. Uh, <laughs> and I was and it was right. I mean, I was a beast. But uh, but choosing, but in high school, I really couldn't do like I could do the spring musical, but I couldn't do the fall play because I was playing football in the fall. So I was making like trying to 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 do both, and then in the winter time. Uh, when I was doing wrestling, there would be like choir concerts or uh, competitions or be like a speech and debate competition. I was like, well, I have a wrestling meet on Saturday. So I was I really chose the sports a lot in high school. So when I went to college, I was like, no, I want to switch it up. I want to switch it up. And here we are just yes, a few years are, later. Yes, here we are, right? <laughs> right? The theater community is very lucky that you chose that. So, yeah. One thing that some people know about me is that um, I am a huge fan of Ultimate Fighting Club. And I'm connecting to your mention about wrestling. I find wrestling to be so fascinating strategically because there's not as much violence as in straight up boxing, for example. But it's all about sort of not only understanding your body, but your mind. And I'm, is that what is that what that experience is like? Wrestling, yes, it, it does have a mind, a, a mental aspect to it. Because so I grew up in Iowa, and I, you know, I was huge for wrestling. Uh, yeah. When I tell you, kids tournaments were happening every weekend. So these are like from six to eighteen year olds, and my dad would take us around the state. We would go, me and my little brother, and then oftentimes being in these big arenas and wrestling, I mean, like, we were like the only black kids. There might've been a few sprinkled, but like out of these thousands of kids participating. So there's that aspect. And then I, I wasn't, I was a little thinner back then, but like a lot of the other guys were taller. So I just was like, damn. So that mental, like, oh shoot, I, I can't look, I can't, I can't get this guy. But my dad was always there to be like, go out there and do your best you can do it. Just to help with that the mental mind frame, but it's, it's, uh, it was nice. It was nice to win. It was nice to lose. It really, it really helped me now, like with rejection and like a no from an audition, like losing a wrestling match or something, you know, just helped me to, to deal with that. So, so I just got it together and started to win. I've always found it. I've always found it so fascinating from my friends who are in who are in the performing arts and creative arts that when you get a no from an audition oftentimes that's just silence it doesn't come with feedback like we're accustomed Mm. to right so well we didn't pick you because we were looking for somebody older or whatever ricky you bring up a really good point and and christine to your point like when when you're acting, you don't get feedback. So let's say you have an audition song and you're like, so is this song okay to sing in or is it something else? And yeah, so kudos to those who uh, do it. All right, so life choices. What is one life choice that you encountered in your life that felt very risky at the time, but you're glad you made it? It's probably wearing um, leopard print, but no. 
Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think my moving to Chicago, because I went to school in Nashville, and I had a professor say, you need some more training. I was like, me? She said, yes. Apply to grad school. Let's get you in the grad program. So I think moving here was, uh, I was like, what the hell? Why am I moving here? And then I've been here ever since. Well, we're very lucky for that. Yes, we are. Christine, the one thing I've got to say about Ricky real quick is I just wish he was more outgoing and not so shy. This has been one of the shyest guests we've had. But I also noticed that he has a complete about face from his childhood. Yeah, what Ricky happened? He very loud as a child. And now, yeah, what happened? Oh, I, have, I, have wonderful, I have wonderful neighbors. Uh, the lady downstairs. Oh, when I play the piano, I keep beat with my foot. So it's just a consistent stomping. And then sometimes I just get a little knock on the ceiling. I'm like, oh, okay. But they're, they're, this is a very understanding floor. They oftentimes will stand out my door and listen. Because I've taught them to stop knocking on my door. They say, oh my God, that sounds good. Because I'm usually like recording something. But yeah. Oh, the trials and tribulations of being the Ricky Harris. Aw. Can I ask you about one more thing, which is I've been dying to learn more about, which is performing in drag. What brings you joy about this? And also, when are we going to have a class? Now, I don't do a full drag. Um, so I, I, I don't have a full beach, as they say. That's like a full makeup. I might do an eyelash, a little blush here, but always a lip. Always a lip. Always a lip. Uh, yes. And, and, and a nice, sensible heel. It's just fun. And it's just, uh, I mean, the, the, the heel has went from like a stiletto. Now I need like a little bit more, more down there to support. But like one of the first times I did it, I was so nervous. I was going to a fundraiser, a theater fundraiser. And I was like, oh, I'm going to wear this. And I walked in and this is a big old gymnasium type room and just took the air out of everybody's mouth. And they were just like, oh my God. I'm like, oh, yes, it's me. I'm still beautiful. Um, so it was just fun. It was just fun. Uh, my my feet hurt tremendously um, afterwards, but I'm also a fan of if I wear a heel in, I've got to wear the heel out. Like you can't be no punk about it. And so I also... My little one of my little tricks, icy hot. I put icy hot on the bottom of my feet. Oh, hold on, I'm taking notes. No. <laughs> <laughs> icy hot on the bottom of my feet would help me get through a few performances. Just because it just numbs it just a little bit. But it's fun. It, it brings out another alter, an alter ego, brings out another side, and it's fun. What's her name? It has uh, it's, it's had many names. Um, the current name of my drag persona mm. is Destiny Davenport. Mm. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's my destiny, and I'm from Davenport. Um, I had one lady. She was Dolores. You know, she was a waitress. She smoked a lot. Those have also been the two. Oh, well, then there's always Beverly Leslie. Oh, Beverly. Yeah. Oh, Beverly. Beverly. Yeah. yeah. Who's Beverly? What? what? Who's Beverly? <laughs> Describe her. Describe her. 
Beverly's still just me. Nothing. <laughs> Beverly's probably the the drunk alter ego. Oh, okay. A lot of people okay. have my name and their phone as under Beverly Leslie. So that's usually probably we were at the club and it's like, what's your name? Beverly. Beverly Leslie. I'm changing my I'm changing my phone for you right now. Beverly. Okay, Ricky, we're going to move this uh, interview a lot. This, this has gone for three hours. I love it. Thank you. Um, but we have a game we play here at BS, um, <laughs> Beyond Simulation, um, in which we put 60 seconds on the clock. And we're going to ask you just some random uh, rapid-fire questions. Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Christine, I'm not sure we should say that to Ricky. But anyway, this <laughs> instructions. Just, just I'm being, I'm being really good thus far. I'm being extra. I've noticed. Close. Kudos to you. I've had to stop mid thought and be like, hold on. But <laughs> this is a family podcast. But anyway, so we're gonna do sixty seconds on the clock, and um, we're just gonna ask you questions. Okay. Okay. So I'm, uh, Christine, we'll start with you, and then the time will start after the first question. Who is your favorite superhero? Superman. And is there life after death? Yes. What is your favorite animal? The dog. Okay. And what's your favorite kind of music? Gospel. Mm. What is a compliment that you received that you really liked? I like your lips. Because <laughs> it's your mm-hmm. lipstick on. Yes. Um, so what is a habit that you have that you are glad you have? I, um, uh, I'm a little OCD about cleaning. I'm, so I'm very clean. What's a song that always gets stuck in your head? I guess I could have said it, but. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Ricky. Okay. And what is like your favorite fictional character? Fat Albert. Okay. And I get one. I get one more. What is the most recent thing that surprised you? The reviews that I've gotten in this last show, which have been uh, phenomenal. Um, for me and it has been nice to have my art validated and um, by so many different people on so many different product, um, p- publications I'm not surprised but uh, go ahead and give a quick plug for your show what, what are you doing? I'm currently doing Pump Boys and Dinettes that closes December 12th but have no fear because January 16th I will be premiering my first time my one man cabaret at the Venus Cabaret, that's at Mercury Theater, um, at 8 p.m. Tickets are only $25. I'm going to start selling them this week. Whew, I'm very nervous, but yes, January 16th. We're going to have a staff outing to see you. Yes. Is there only one show, or is it going to be... It's only... It's, we're going to start off with this one, and I'm going to see how it goes. And if I can get, like, a monthly or bi-monthly residency there, yes. we'll see, but... So, Ricky, what you're saying here, one night only, <laughs> one night only. <laughs> I feel so intimidated because I feel like I need to sing harmony now with, with the two of you. That's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> okay. Well, coming around the corner to wrap up here. Think about one person who has been meaningful to you in your life 
And it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that you knew um, or knew well. What did you learn from them or what is something that you admire about them? That person is my grandfather who passed away in 2007 because I had just, no, 2004 because I had just got my bachelor's degree. But my grandfather always made sure to tell him, um, to ask my mom and dad, is this what he wants to do in regards to anything that I was doing? So it, I was never forced to play sports or forced to do anything that I didn't want to do. So he always, and he always was a big supporter. And only got to see me perform a couple of times, but the fact that he uh, showed that type of care is to make sure that I was happy. He's also the one that decorated the house for Christmas and had, you know, did the yard work and the plants and all that. So I really valued that time together that we had and kind of learning from him on that, and uh, which is probably why I do it now. So, yeah, my grandfather. I love it. What was his name? Frederick Harris Sr. My father's junior. I am the third. And I was always called Little Ricky because my grandfather was Big Fred, my dad was Little Fred, and I was Little Ricky. Oh, I love that. I just kept Ricky. Oh, I love that. I wish we were doing video or TV where we could just pop up a picture of the three of you. Um, I know. <laughs> uh, that was so great. That was so great. Ricky, thank you so much for sharing all of this. And it is, it's such a pleasure to have you on. Um, and you are such a joy to just be around and, and, and just the energy you bring to people. So thank you for being you. Um, one final question. So what is one hope you have for simulation in the future? I just hope um, that it that it continues, you know, that it stays around because I think it's very useful, and that this uh, more people, if they if, should know about it and should know that like the weight of what we do, and it's like because a lot of us are dealing with a lot um, as far as health wise, but when you go into your doctor and you say, "Wow, my doctor really listened to me today," I kind of puff up with some pride because you know I might not help that doctor, but we know we do stuff to help these people, so. I just want people to know that the work that we do is very important. Definitely. Well, thank you so, so much for being our guest on BS, the podcast today. It's uh, been a pleasure to, to speak with Ricky Harris, little Ricky, Frederick Harris III, doer of all the things and lover of all the people. And to everyone out there listening, thank you for joining us and tune in for the next episode of Beyond Simulation. This is Christine Park and Bob Kaiser signing off.